0: Welcome to Bringing Clarity to the Disrupted Chaos of IT Modernization, sponsored by SAIC. Now, here's your host, John Gilroy.
1: Welcome, and thanks for joining us. My guest today is Sanjay Sardar, Vice President, Modernization and Digital Transformation at SAIC. Well, Sanjay, I'm going to hit you real quick here. You know, scalability of the cloud is a phrase that pops up on billboards all over town. I was at Metro Center last week, right in the middle of Metro Center, there's big billboards <laughs> all of it with
2: scalability. So what does scalability mean for our federal listeners? So, yeah, and thank you for having me, John. Um, so scalability is <clears throat> all over the place. Everybody's talking about scalability on the compute and storage side. So when you look at cloud computing, NIST actually defines several characteristics for what's considered cloud computing. So these characters include on-demand usage, multi-tenancy, ubiquitous access, uh, resiliency, and primarily and scalability. That scalability really means about how quickly I can add compute and storage uh power to anything that I'm doing, anything on the cloud platform. So think of it this way, if you, when we run our um, applications in the, win, you know, in the morning, when you go in and you sh- open up your applications, you're running Excel, you're running Windows, you're running um, Outlook, all the different applications that are out there, and then everything slows down. There's a lot of compute power going into the tasks that you're trying to do on your computer. Now, think of that as what if I could just add multiple computers for each application that's out there? That's scaling that application. So each application would have its own set of resources that it could use and perform. That way, you'd never actually slow down. So that dynamic ability to add resources, add compute power, add storage, that's what scalability is. And that power that the cloud brings is very key to some of the things that we're doing today.
1: I think what's also key is uh, not scaling for the sake of scaling. I think someone like SAISU, you can come in and analyze a, uh requirements and find out if if uh, maybe there's data
2: sets that may need to scale and may not need to scale at all. Absolutely. And I think that's one of the things that we have to be careful about. Scalability today with the commercial providers and cloud providers that are out there. But it's important to understand what scalability really means is, yes, it gives us lots of power. But think of it this way. When USDA, when the farmers, when uh, the American farmer decides, hey, I or has to put in information for USDA, they go to the website, they start inputting information. Now, if every farmer does that all at the same time, which is common because they input data on cyclical periods, we have to add power. We have to add that compute st- and storage power to be able to uh, accommodate all that data entry at the same time. So that that ability to scale up is very important, but it comes at a cost. You are paying for all the things that you're doing. So agencies or organizations, as they scale up, they start paying more for what they're doing on the uh, cloud platforms. Now, as that surge period is finished or complete, they don't need that anymore. They have to also understand how to contract and scale down that's just as important. Organizations like ours, SAIC, actually works with agencies to understand where these peak periods happen, how to scale up, how to scale down, look at all the resources that are available to you to then map out the right strategy of what you need to do. You know, Sanjay, pick up a newspaper and you see cybersecurity
1: everywhere. I would imagine whether you're going to scale or not scale, any kind of a modernization effort would have to include
2: some type of concern for cybersecurity. That's 100% correct, John. In today's world of dynamically evolving threats, cyber has to be a a concern for every modernization effort. Cyber has to be built in. It's really got to be part of everything you're doing. And we're at a critical point where actors are using different methods to attack our government networks and federal networks. So we have to also be prepared for that. And things are happening where now automated methods are being used to, to attack these networks How do we prevent against that? We also have to come up with automated ways of uh, mitigating risks um, and preventing uh, attacks from happening. So cyber is one of the key areas where we're looking into is how do we make this happen? Now, in the whole spectrum of things, as we get into this machine-to-machine play, which is using automated tools to prevent automated attacks, we're getting into the world of really trying to understand, well, where does the human analyst fit? And how do they actually... How are they involved in all of this? But the reality is, the, the use of tools will never obviate the need for human uh, rationalization or rational thought. Uh, I use this example, what's uh, called the minimal loss effect uh, area. So pretend like you have a cyber uh, effect happening or cyber threat happening. We can set up tools that'll automatically, you know, understand what the threat is and then try to mitigate against it, but. If the optimal solution is to cut off a network, prevent anything else from happening in that network, that might be the optimal solution. But what if that network supported our warfighters who are in hostile territory trying to complete a mission? Should we shut that off? Yeah, there's a minimal loss in the sense that we would still protect our networks, but that might compromise what they're doing. There's a multitude of decision factors that go into making decisions like that where our automatic analysis can happen, but we also need that human analysis or human intervention to to play in. So you have to balance... Um, automation with human analytical skills as well. Absolutely. I, I think where we are getting is these cyber tools and these automated tools are actually helping us make decisions faster, but it ultimately is still the human that has to make that decision. We're going to pause for a short break
1: here. My guest today is Sanjay Sardar, Vice President, Modernization and Digital Transformation at SAIC. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion, Bringing Clarity to the Disruptive Chaos of IT Modernization, sponsored by SAIC on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network.
0: IT modernization is at the forefront of our customers' missions. SAIC helps to lower maintenance costs, apply new technologies, address security, and meet end-user needs to deliver better results. We put our customers' needs first and infuse our expertise in mission understanding to bring the right solutions to bear, leveraging innovative technology to disrupt today so we can simplify tomorrow. SAIC. We are redefining ingenuity. Visit us at saic.com forward slash IT modernization.
1: Welcome back to the discussion, Bringing Clarity... To the disruptive chaos of IT modernization, sponsored by SAIC on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Sanjay Sardar, Vice President Modernization and Digital Transformation. S-A-I-C. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. Well, it said the word disruptive chaos, and we all know the term from 1995, Clayton Christensen's famous book about disruptive innovation. But not all disruption is good, and some can be very difficult to understand. You may have to have an heavy-duty analysis or analytics to understand the disruption
2: and where it applies. So what role does analytics play in this whole change to modernization? Well, analytics is a key to everything that we're doing on the modernization side. But the ability to analyze data and really use that to make better decisions, that's part of this modernization trend. It has to be. So when you look at how much data, data is a strategic asset. I think the federal government has started to recognize that data is a strategic asset. Commercial companies have been doing this for a long time. But think about how much data is being created in the last half century. We used to talk about petabytes of data. We are way past that now. Now we're into zettabytes of data. And if you think about what a zettabyte is, it's the amount of data that you can store uh, in 30 trillion CDs. And we're talking about creating 160 zettabytes by the year 2025. 30 trillion CDs, I had to look this up, I'll tell you, is (laughs) the same as if you put them side by side, 40 foot, or sorry, uh, 240 foot shipping containers. That's wow. over, a, that's 1 trillion uh, CDs. Just 1 trillion. That's a mile and a half long. 30 of those, that's 45 miles. Altogether, 160, that's 7,200 miles of data. That's ridiculous in 2025. Yeah. How do you analyze that? You can't analyze that with the traditional compute that we have today. So you really have to start looking at high performance compute. You have to look at parallel processing. Cloud platform scalability all gives us that power to analyze this data to really make better decisions. So, Sanjay, we have strategic data sitting in
1: federal systems. We know that, right? Yes. Okay. And then you read a quote from Tony Scott, and Tony Scott says, you know, former Fed CIO, we all know him. You know, it's estimated that $3 billion in federal technology will at the end of its life in the next three years. I mean, so you have strategic data sitting in a difficult place. What do you do, just lift and shift, just pick it right
2: up and bring it into the data center? I hope not. <laughs> That's, a, that's an excellent point. I think when you talk about modernizing applications and structures that house this data and the, uh, that we use for mission-critical systems, it is, there's multiple ways of doing it. Lift and shift that traditional redeploying applications into uh, the cloud platforms is one way of doing it. It's not necessarily the best way. In the sense of what I'm saying is cloud efficiencies, that's why we're looking to do these things. You know, Pick up on the efficiencies for the cost savings of cloud, the power of cloud. But if you just lift and shift applications and move them into the cloud, you may not be able to harness the power of the cloud. Your application may not be able to use the processing power that's out there. There's multiple ways to do it. So everything from re architecting these applications into microservices and then rebuilding them so they're. they're better attuned to using cloud uh, cloud constructs, that's absolutely a good way to do it. Or you also have to look at the cost-benefit of potentially replacing them just with as-a-service models or platforms that already exist, COTS platforms that already exist. There was a trend, or I just heard this morning, someone talking about five years from now, 10 years from now, there might be no no such thing as custom apps. They might just all be platforms that people have developed on and all the applications running on that. Not sure if we'll get there, but... Absolutely, have to look at how to modernize. SAIC, that's what we do. We look at a platform across the board. We look at all the applications and we really try to understand what is the best way to get you there. Well, I got a
1: sensitive question for you here, and I don't know if you want to answer or not. When you look at challenges and obstacles to modernization, sometimes it's the human beings involved saying, hey, look, in my agency here, we're compliant, and um, if I go to the new system, well, I I may not be compliant. I mean, hey, we're happy as we are, and if it ain't broke,
2: don't fix it. I mean, so what about compliance in this challenge, change? Compliance has a wide variety of things that we're looking at. There's everything from security compliance to be able to meet the mission. So, yes, absolutely, compliance is key to what we're doing, but compliance shouldn't be check the box. I think when we look at applications across the board, when we look at modernizing systems, you really have to understand the mission. You have to understand the mission of the agency when you're making these kind of disruptive changes. Change is complex. There's no doubt about it. Modernization is complex. And you are, we are going to have to in, infuse these disruptive technologies because at the end of the day, what we want to do is we want to simplify tomorrow, right? We want to make it so we're not in this mess again three years, five years down the road. One of the challenges, to
1: this modernization from my perspective, I think, is duplication and redundancy. Now, this is a way where SIC
2: come in and actually save people money and, and reduce costs. Yeah. Underlying to everything in the modernization world is good architecture. You've got to look at everything at a at the that fundamental level, understand how things are built, understand where data flows exist, understand what data is out there, what's duplicative as you put it, what's redundant, what's necessary, what's not necessary. You know, when we talk about app modernization, for example, why do we move apps as a group? Because there's interdependencies, things that work together. When we talk about infrastructure and software-defined infrastructure, when we start putting in automation, we have to understand what the agency mission really is and how best technology can help the agency deliver that mission. If we're not doing that, modernization for its own sake is not worth it. Yeah, some people say that remodernization really means to expand the agency's
1: capability, and that could include scaling, it could include redundancy, it could include app efficiency and cybersecurity. As well, so it's a, it's all inclusive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think the challenges that we face right now, there are some things that we're we have to overcome. One of the things is funding. When we look at funding for modernization, the federal government has been very good about buying um, technology and upgrading. As you buy technology and you let it sit, it faces this problem of obsolescence. We we don't fund to continuously modernize. We have to get over that. We also have this issue of how processes are changing, how things are working. And then finally, we have to look at the reskilling of the workforce. We're going to pause here for a short break. My guest today is Sanjay Sardar, Vice President,
1: Modernization and Digital Transformation, SAIC. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, on the discussion bringing clarity to the disruptive chaos of IT modernization, sponsored by SAIC on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network.
0: IT modernization is at the forefront of our customers' missions. SAIC helps to lower maintenance costs, apply new technologies, address security, and meet end-user needs to deliver better results. We put our customers' needs first and infuse our expertise in mission understanding to bring the right solutions to bear, leveraging innovative technology to disrupt today so we can simplify tomorrow. SAIC, we are redefining ingenuity. Visit us at saic.com forward slash IT modernization.
1: Welcome back to the discussion Bringing Clarity to the Disruptive Chaos of IT Modernization sponsored by SAIC on Federal News Radio part of the Federal News Network. My guest today is Sanjay Sardar, Vice President, Modernization and Digital Transformation at SAIC. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy. You know, um, so many changes in the federal government, new systems coming and going. And uh, one thing that maybe has to catch up that no one talks about is changes in the acquisition process. And if you Google federal acquisition, you'll probably get terms like OTA and terms like SBAR. And then a new one called the Centers of Excellence or COE. So what is the COE? What role does it play with this acquisition model?
2: So with the pace of technology that's changing so quickly, we have to keep up with our on our acquisition side. We can't acquire things the way we used to because it takes too long. So we're seeing a lot of innovation happening in the acquisition models that include some of the things that you talked about. So in the non-traditional type contracting method, so we have things like OTAs, other transactional authorities that are really used by DOD and some federal civilian agencies to promote the prototyping and innovation that's that we're seeing in commercial entities all over the place. OTAs are a really, really good way of trying to bring that in to the federal market. SAIC has been successful in working with several of our com- our clients or customer agencies in helping them develop these OTAs so and then compete them out so we can uh, bring in rapid prototyping. SBIRs are very similar. The Small Business Innovation Research, that is also being used for small businesses to do, through grants, to bring in uh, innovation. So those are non-traditional ways of doing things that that are still within federal acquisition guidelines, but maybe speed up the process a bit. Then also what we're seeing in the innovation side of the house are there are organizations, agencies that are taking innovative approaches to how they acquire things. So DHS is a great example. Soraya Korea has put out the procurement innovation labs where DHS is really working with the industries to bring in new ideas of how to innovate and how to actually move that ball forward. And then finally, what you talked about—the COEs, the Center of Excellence. So this is an this is an effort out of the White House uh, Office of Innovation, worked through GSA through TTS. The Centers of Excellence really are a way for agencies to modernize their systems in a rapid uh, rapid fashion. So when you look at uh, USDA, USDA was the pilot lighthouse agencies for the Centers of Excellence. They identified specific domains where they can go out and contract out, in a very agile fashion, uh, work to be done to improve and modernize their systems. So data analytics, uh, visualization, infrastructure optimization, customer certain, uh, customer centers, and customer experience. All these are centers of excellence. They're domains where the government really wants to modernize. This was a fantastic way of doing it. Al Munoz, who's the contracting officer at GSA, who's running this program or has uh, the contracting oversight for this program, has really made it a very fast turnaround. Within, uh, within four months, they were able to uh, put out phase one, which actually helped agencies define the requirements. And then within six weeks, they were able to get out phase two and contract it out, which is where we are. SAIC is actually very, very heavily involved in the centers of excellence, especially for USDA. We are working on the infrastructure modernization, the data analytics, the data visualization parts of it. And we're we're very excited to help support this program. It's a very innovative program as it goes on to, from USDA to HUD. The whole concept is every time you do something, uh, every time you procure one of these things. You learn a little bit more. So agencies are learning from each other in this acquisition process. Very innovative way of doing it. Sanjay, we're sitting here about four miles away from Georgetown University on campus. Mm -hmm. There's that big
1: MBA building. It's a beautiful building. And I'm sure if we were walking a classroom there, we'd heard terms like technology business management, TBM. And it really sounds really impressive or something. So what does
2: it mean for our listeners? What does it mean for SIC and helping our federal agencies? So technology business management really is... It it is that it is managing the business of technology. It is about providing transparency and accountability for to these IT efforts and tying them into a tradi- into a financial framework that's that can be used across government, across industry. TBM has actually taken off as a as a framework. That's what it is. As you can align different concepts together. The CFO's organization, the business folks, the financial folks, and the technology folks are now all speaking the same language. So when they say how much value is something worth or how much value is this uh, project, they start to understand in in the same terms what is the benefit that the agency is getting. So TBM is a really good way of starting to do that. TBM is not a new idea, it's a new model, new framework, but the idea has been around for a while where we've been trying to align business value to technology uh, efforts. That's where SAIC comes in is we really look at the whole infrastructure, the whole uh, enterprise architecture, and start helping agencies align this correctly. So when there are different parts of the agency are talking about business value, they're talking in the same terms and they're seeing it all uh, in a transparent, accountable manner. I wrote that word transparent. It's so important
1: today because we have new acquisition models. We have new technology models. We have new ways of people coming and going. CIOs are new. This really seems to be a key concept, transparency and
2: SAIC to help our federal agencies. We are very happy to help our federal agencies. And again, we're a very mission-driven organization. We very much understand that the impact to mission is something that is just sacrosanct. You can't mess that up. So when we do modernization, when we look at Imple- implementing new technologies, when we look at changing things, when we bring in all these things that are happening in the modern world today, we look at things like organizational change management, we look at how that plays in, how that impacts the organization, and really take the, all that into account when we are finishing and building our systems.
1: I'm just gonna repeat something we mentioned earlier, that modernization for federal agencies working with SAIC really means to expand the agency capability on many different fronts, doesn't it?
2: Without a doubt. Modernization is all about helping agencies deliver their services, deliver on their mission in a much more effective and efficient way. Modernization is complex. We're talking about disruptive technologies. We're talking about new things that are happening. We want to be able to help manage that chaos and simplify how agencies are going to do things in the future.
1: I'd like to thank today's guest, Tanji Sardar, Vice President, Modernization and Digital Transformation, SAIC. I'm your moderator, John Gilroy, and you're listening to Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsnetwork.com and search... SAIC.
0: Thank you for listening to Bringing Clarity to the Disruptive Chaos of IT Modernization, sponsored by SAIC on Federal News Radio 1500 AM, a part of the Federal News Network. The entire program can be found on demand at Federal News Network. Search SAIC.
3: even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover tar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.
1: Okay, forest animals, today is a new day. Kids are coming to the forest, and it's up to us to make their visit
0: a good one. Sparrow. Yes? Have you practiced the most popular bird songs for the year? Of course. Catchy. I like it. Okay, River. Dude. How's the temperature? It's a refreshing 52 degrees, man. Perfect for a little riverside shoeless relaxation. Ah, good. Owl, you here? Of who's asking? I am. Look, you know the drill. Sleep during the day, scare the kids at night. Perfect. I love my job. Uh, oak tree? Sup? Still in the same place I left you last year. That's what I like. Consistency. Well, it's not like I'm going anywhere for the next couple hundred years. I know. I love it. Uh, Turtle. Turtle. He's not here yet, man. Uh, He's late every morning. You'd think you would have learned by now to leave the night before our meetings. Okay. Squirrel. Has anybody seen Mr. Squirrel? The
2: forest has been preparing just for you. Visit a forest near you today. To learn more about cool things to do
1: in the forest, visit discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council.